Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? All right, so uh, can I have Pastor Jared and Heather come up to the stage for us at this time? Now, I will say this. They're not necessarily, you know, aware that this is going to be happening, but... Um, we here, I mean, Jared, this is actually his first Sunday back from heading over to India doing a missions trip over there, where you'll learn a little bit about this uh, later in his message today, but, you know, countless people gave their lives to the Lord. Um, miracles happen, healings happen, and even, like, even more than that, just even heard the gospel of Christ. And, you know, what's great about that is that the same calling that Jared had to, and to go over to, the, um, to that country was the same calling that he had to plant a church here. He and Heather actually grabbed the vision of God and was able to plant this church in this community. And so October, traditionally, is Pastor Appreciation Month. And so the second Sunday of October typically is when we would uh, do that. However, you were in India, and so it's hard to do that. So we want to make sure that we can uh, still honor you. And for those of you who may be new to this and as to why we're actually doing this, uh, the Bible actually tells us here that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 12, and 3, says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and over you in the Lord and to esteem them highly in love because of their work. Now, Hebrews 13, 7 also says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over you. So <clears throat> keeping the watch over you is sort of the thing that, that really kind of hits me in that if you think about it, watching over you is kind of like what a shepherd would do, right? So you've heard oftentimes that the church is the flock, right? And so imagine David back when he was, you know, tending to his sheep, just hanging out out there in the, whatever, sheep hangout. And so he's out there. It's not just like, oh, I'm just going to come out there at this periodic time and do my thing and then let them fend for themselves. He's watching over you and that he is guarding them 24-7. He's out there just making sure that everything is okay with them, that they are safe, much like Pastor Jared and Heather would do here is that he's not necessarily up here once, you know, an hour out of a Sunday out of the week doing his thing. Him, Heather, the leadership team, they're all praying over us constantly. They're trying to drive this church into the community and develop relationships. We've impacted lives. We've saved lives in this community because of what they're calling and what, they, what they've heeded. And so with that, I just want to thank you guys and just offer you this little gift now, there's also some stuff in there. We also want to honor your family as well, so Autumn and Lincoln, because they also are very much a part of this. Um, for those in the church planting world, it's a family affair. It's not just, you know, um, the, the, the heads of the home. So if um, the leaders would be willing to come up here, I just want to lay hands on them. And if you guys would be willing to just extend your hands forward, we just want to pray just a blessing over them and just pray for them. Um, and those of you who are on Facebook Live, I'm seeing you. Just also, you know, feel free to give a little prayer out as well, all right? Dear God, just thank you so much, Lord, for these two. Um, God, that you put a vision in their heart, Lord, to impact this community, for everyone in here to have an encounter with you, God. God, I just want to thank you for them because our lives have been forever changed because of the work that they have done, for the faithful work that they have done. God, just I'm so excited to see what the next step is for this church. Uh, as Jared came back from India and is like just on fire, God, even more so, he even told me that there are things that are coming, God, and that's just amazing. I can't wait to see what they are. But God, just bless them. Bless their family, Lord, as they continue to remain faithful to you and to obey you, God, that you just 
open, you know, the gates of heaven and just rain down blessings on them, Lord. God, we ask this all in your faithful name, Lord. Amen. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? I am, uh, I'm so glad to be back. Uh, for those of you, maybe it's your first time with us or you don't know who I am or aren't familiar, my name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter. And uh, this is the time of the week that I love the most because uh, while I get to do all of the things that Chris was talking about throughout the week, I love this moment where I get to share what I believe God has put on my heart for this church. And um, I'm just, I'm excited to be back. I just came back from a two-week trip in South Asia where uh, we were part of a team that was just sharing the gospel with people who needed it, and uh, which is really everybody, but particularly people who've never heard it before. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. I also just wanted to say thank you um, to everyone who was a part of that just special moment. I know if I could speak for my wife, Heather, and I, that we're just, we're honored to be your pastors. We love you guys so much. Um, this, this is not just our dream. This is our leadership team's dream, but really it's God's dream. That's why we call the people who serve at this church the dream team, because the whole point of why this church exists isn't just so the people who already know Jesus can, come, can grow in him, but really it's so that his dream for this community, for this city, for this nation, for people who don't know Jesus to come to know him. And so that's the dream that started this church, and that's the dream that compels us and pushes us forward for the years to come. And uh, I'm just honored and uh, grateful. Thank you for honoring honoring us. Um, it does not go unnoticed, and we're just thankful for that. So thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, we love you guys so much, and are just thankful for every one of you. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm back, and I am excited. As Chris was saying, I'm on fire. I don't know if we do use those words anymore. That's, that's like 1987 church language. But uh, we are in the middle of our road, the road series. Uh, we've been kind of going through a roadmap of the Romans road in the book of Romans in the New Testament, and we've kind of been going chapter by chapter, um, trying to glean the major elements of that road. Jesus talked about a road in the book of Matthew. He said, small is the gate, and narrow is the the road that leads to life and only few find it. So we've been talking about this narrow road, which is the calling on our lives to follow Jesus, that, that only on the narrow road do we really find life and, and purpose and connection back to our creator and only a few find it. So we've been studying throughout the chapters of the book of Romans and learning how to walk that narrow road. And last week, uh, Pastor Aaron talked about Romans chapter eight and his message was called the spirit within. The big idea in his message was that we are more than victorious. The whole idea of Romans chapter 8 is that God has given us a spirit that we have, uh, that we are no longer condemned, but instead we have the power and authority to overcome. The week before that, Heather talked about how we still struggle as human beings. I mean, all of us as humans and as Christians, we still struggle with sin. We, it wars and rages inside of us, but thank God for the spirit of God that lives inside of us that gives us freedom from those things. We have victory over our lives, and I'm excited to move on today. We continue our journey journey down the narrow road. Today we're going to be hitting chapters 9 through 11, and it sounds like a lot, but we're really not going to hit too much. Um, and I've titled this message, The Bigger Picture. So so Paul sort of takes a break, right? He's talking about practical living, how to follow Jesus on the road, and then he kind of takes a turn and he says, I want to give you a little bit of a history lesson. So what we're going to do is we're going to read one small passage from each of the three chapters. So chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11. I'm going to give some brief commentary on them. We're going to wrap it together with a thought, and then what I'd like to do is just kind of give you some practical thoughts on how that applies to our lives. Does that sound like something we can do together? I'm sorry, what? 
All right, that's good. Okay. So we're going to start right off in Romans chapter 9. So open your Bibles with you, with me to Romans chapter 9. If you have a paper Bible, those are cool. I'm going to start bringing mine. Uh, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, open that up, turn it on, and put it to your Bible app and open to Romans chapter 9, verse 30, is where we're going to start reading. So Paul starts and he goes, what does this all mean? What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. Okay, so we pause real quick. We've talked about this before. In the Jewish mindset, back in first century AD, the Jewish people were the chosen ones of God, and they viewed everybody who wasn't Jewish as, as, as scum. They were not to have anything to do with them. So think of modern day, we think of Jewish people and their kosher, right? Kosher food. Anything that's not kosher is considered Gentile, okay? So in the Jewish language, anything that was not Jewish was considered Gentile. So that meant anybody who did not have Jewish ancestry, Jewish blood, or did not um, partake in the Jewish religion were considered Gentiles. That's everybody else in the world except for Jewish people. So he said, what does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles, that's us, unless you're Jewish, were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. We talked about that in earlier weeks. It's only faith that makes us right with God. But the people of Israel, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, remember we talked about how God gave Moses the law and that they lived their lives around the letter of the law, but the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. We've talked about a song called Cornerstone, right? We've heard that song before that Jesus is the cornerstone. There's a passage of scripture that says that they stumbled over the rock and that that rock has become the cornerstone. That's where this, that passage comes from, that Jesus is the cornerstone of the entire faith, but the Jewish people missed it. So what we're talking about here is way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, God appears to a man named Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I am God. I am the God of the universe, and I have a plan for you. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to make you the father of, of all of these people, and they're going to rise up, and they're going to be the nation of Israel, and they're going to be special. They're my chosen people. I'm going to make a covenant with them, and that covenant will last forever. And if you follow me, I'm going to bless you and your entire nation, all of your children from ends to the earth. It's that your children will be greater than the sands of the earth, greater than the stars in the sky. You won't be able to count them. And he says, I will use the peop your people... And I make a promise, I will use your people to bring my name to the nations, okay? That's the promise, that's the covenant that God made with Abraham. And so the entire Old Testament, if you read it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, uh, Joshua, Judges, you know, Samuel, Ruth, like the Kings and Chronicles and Isaiah and all of these books of the Old Testament, all of them follow the nation of Israel. It's the story of Israel. So when he's talking about how he's talking about the Jewish people and how they had this promise and they had the law and they were God's chosen people, but they were not right with God. Why? Because they lost sight of who God was. They stopped trusting in God and instead started trusting in the law that was given to them. And the entirety of the Old Testament, while it's about Israel, it's actually a great story about all of us as humanity. Because what happens to the people of Israel is they see God do great things in their lives. And they go, yay, God, worship you, praise you. And then what happens is they get back to normal life. They forget who God was. They forget he did something for them. They start wanting to do different things. They start getting into their own lifestyle. They forget about God. They start getting into things they're not supposed to be getting into. 
And then, and then they start into disobedience and then God has to bring them back and discipline them. And there's this cycle that might sound familiar because it's a cycle that we live as humans, right? Every day we struggle. We talked about this when Heather was preaching in, in Romans chapters eight, six and seven and was talking about how we still struggle with that. This is the story of us that we see in the Old Testament. We need a savior. Every one of us are struggling. Every one of us, no matter how good we are, no matter how much of the law in, an, in the analogy here, no matter how much of the law we are able to fulfill, there's always pieces of it that we fall short of. And that is the point of the Old Testament, the singular message of the need for a Savior and our inability to earn salvation. We just can't get there. No matter how far we run, no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we work out, no matter how good we are, it is never enough. And so chapter 9 is all about Israel's disobedience and rejecting of the Messiah, because at the very end of that passage of scripture we read in verse 32, it says they stumbled over the great rock in their path. That's alluding to Jesus. He was the rock. He was the one that God put there to be like the cornerstone to build our faith on. And they missed it. Now we jump to Romans chapter 10 verses five through 10. And it says this for Moses, Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commandments. Again, that same thing. It echoes what we've been talking about. That obedience to the law says you, if you're going to obey one law, you have to obey all of the laws. But that's impossible for us. But faith's way of getting right with God says this. And we skip down to verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to read that again. I want you guys to close your eyes. Close your eyes and just listen to this. This is the core. This is the cornerstone. This is the rock that the Jewish people missed. That Paul is saying, this is what we have to get. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he continues, he says, for it is by believing, you can open your eyes, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So chapter 10 really reinforces this concept, the promise that God has for salvation, that he, he is not just giving a bunch of rules, God's not just putting a whole bunch of uh, regulations out and to prove that we're horrible people. That's what I love the most about, about God and about the Bible is that this, this beautiful story that God saw the, the downward spiral of all of humanity. I mean, it's not hard to see, right? We look around. Just look at the election right now. Look at the two candidates that, that, that people are fighting and arguing over. Look at what's happening around the world. Look at the earthquakes and, and the poverty and hunger. Look at the human trafficking and slavery that's going on. Look at the, the, the horrible violence that's taking place and the hunger that happens all over. It's not hard for us to look and to see that, that this world is just spiraling out of control, right? I think most of us would agree with that. But I love the fact that God didn't just go, man, that sucks, and just watch like the earth just fly away like a, like a top spinning out of control. No, God sent his son. He said, no, 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 I love my creation. And even though they've made bad choices, even though they've, they've done terrible things, it's never too late for them. They're never too far gone. And he sent hope. He, sends, he, he has not left us alone. Romans chapter 10, the entirety of the Romans of chapter 10 teaches us that, that sin is a problem, but that it's not impossible to overcome. That Jesus is the way back to God. But because the Jewish people refused to accept Jesus, refused to accept the Messiah, they rejected him, 
the very one that they were actually waiting for. And in the Old Testament, you see that there's lots of scripture passages that talk about the coming one, the chosen one, the Messiah, the one that they were all waiting for. But because they rejected Jesus, God actually used that moment to open up salvation and hope to the rest of the world, to us, to the Gentiles, to the people who had no business knowing him. The Bible is, paints this picture that, that the people who were the people of God, they were chosen, they were wonderful, they were beautiful. And, and they, were, they, they disobeyed. And so God said, in your disobedience, I will show and I'm going to make you jealous. He actually says he wants to make the Jewish people jealous of us. So he opens up this path for everybody else to have hope and to find Jesus in hopes that his own people who have rejected him will be jealous of the salvation that we have. So Romans chapter 10 is about how God has opened up hope for all of us because of the disobedience of others. Chapter 11, Romans chapter 11, verses 28 to 32, it kind of fills that out. Many of the people of Israel, they are now enemies of the good news. We see that today, right? Jewish people, Squirrel Hill, people who live in Israel, I'm amazed at how, how Israel itself is such a secular state, right? I mean, that's how far their own people have come. They don't, most of them don't even practice any faith at all. And, uh, and we see it everywhere. Like there are Jew, most Jewish people do not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. So he says, many of the Israel are now enemies of the good news. And this benefits us as Gentiles. Yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Now, once you Gentiles, us sitting here today, were rebels against God. But when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you, us, instead. And now they are the rebels, and God's mercy has come to you. Why? So that they too will share in God's mercy. Now listen to this. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so that he could have mercy on everyone. I love that passage, because if you read it the wrong way, it sounds like God's a meanie, right? Like, what? what would you do that? But what it really is saying is because of the evidence of our sin, we are imprisoned in disobedience. But because of that, in, that disobedience, because of that imprisonment, because everyone has it and no one is exempt, God now has the opportunity to show mercy to everybody, all. There's not a single person who is exempt from God's mercy. And so that's really what we're talking about here. Chapter 11 brings out the big picture. The entire point of the entire Bible is that, is that man has fallen short and because of one's disobedience, the rest of us get to have salvation. Because of Jesus' obedience to the cross and to death, all have received salvation. All have the opportunity to know Jesus. It is never too late. And that's the big idea for this day, for this message today is this, is that the narrow road is wide enough for all to walk if they choose. And that sounds like a little bit of a contradiction, but that's what scripture teaches. The narrow road is difficult to walk on and few will find it, is what Jesus said, but it is the way to life. And it also says in the Bible that it is God's will that all would be saved. So the narrow road is wide enough for anybody who chooses to walk it. The problem is, is that many people choose not to. They don't want to. They feel like it's not the right road for them. But Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 tells us that the road is wide enough for all, for Jews and Gentiles alike. So I would ask this question then. How can we practically apply this message? So that was kind of like your theology lesson. That was your history lesson. How can I actually apply this to my life? We have a little bit of time left. You guys know that I just got back from a missions trip. And it was an incredible ride. 
When I think about this passage of scripture, Romans 9 through 11, as I was preparing this week, and it was, some of it was tough sledding because for the first two days I was really jet lagged and I was having a hard time thinking clearly. So I didn't really get through this message until like Thursday. But as I was thinking through it, I was like, God, what do you want to say to our church? What do you want to say to me? And I want to talk about the missions trip. And it felt like God said, I have one thing for you. And here is what it was. So while we know that the big idea is that the narrow road is wide enough for all to walk if they choose, when I think about a practicality, how can we practically live chapters 9, 10, and 11? This is what I came up with, is that once we become part of the family of God, once we say yes to Jesus, once we, we, we do what it says to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we become the saved. We become a child of God. We sang that incredible song this morning, that we're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to our chains and our addictions, but instead we're child, we're children of God. When that happens, we have a responsibility to the rest of the world. We are responsible to tell the story of Jesus and redemption. Romans chapter 10, there's a little piece that we skipped over that I wanted to come back to right here. In the middle of this three chapters, chapter 10, verse 14 says this, but how can anyone call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they've never even heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And this is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So right in the middle of the story of the Old Testament and how Israel is their chosen people, but they're far from God and they've disobeyed him and how because of it, he's opened up the gates so that we can find hope and find life and find salvation. But how many people in our neighborhoods, how many people in our country, in our cities and in nations around the world have never heard the name of Jesus or are believing lies or are wrapped up in darkness or are held bondage by chains of addictions and false thoughts in their minds? How many people live right around us who need to hear the story of Jesus? And Romans 10 is so clear. How will they hear unless we tell them? How will we be able to go without being sent? And I think about that, and I think about this trip that I just went on and how easy it was to present the gospel. Guys, I'm telling you, we went and we did two separate festivals. We went to uh, two different cities where we set up a festival for three nights in each location. The first time, we had 5,000 people come almost every night. These are Hindu people. These are people who the local church, there's very small churches in the areas, they were, let me tell you what it's like over there, okay? I learned this, that they, would, they were putting up posters all over the cities inviting people to come. They were doing street ministry every day leading up to the festivals. And one of the pastors who was there went out and was with his team and they were preaching the gospel and they were inviting people to come to the festival. And one guy came up and just slapped him across the face, like slapped him in the face because he was preaching the name of Jesus because there are people there who don't want to hear it at all. They're so wrapped up in their Hindu religion. They're so wrapped up in their rituals and the, the things that have bound them for so long. And I understand because they, because they believe it. They're devout to it. But we went over there preaching and they brought, and their people are so hungry because why would 5,000 people show up to an event if they were so devout for another religion? Because there is something that wells up inside of them that says, what I have is not enough. And so when they come to the festival and we began preaching the gospel to them and we prayed over them. We told them the story of Jesus and so many people raised their hands and wanted to know him. So many people were willing to, we were clear, you have to renounce your other gods. There are no other gods before Jesus. And we told them, if you want that, lift your hands up. And hundreds of people 
put their hands into the air and rushed to the stage and said, I want this because we gave them something that nothing else could give them. It was incredible to see 5,000 people. And I think in the the first place we were at, about 1,000 people raised their hands across the three nights and gave their hearts to Jesus. It was incredible to see what God did. And not only that, we said, and we'll prove to you that God is real. Just like in the book of Acts, right? That was the whole point in the book of Acts is they would go from town to town to town. And they would preach the name of Jesus. And they would say, this man who was dead, who was crucified, is now alive. And if you will believe in him, you will be saved. And I will prove it to you in the name of Jesus. Walk. Or if your eyes are blind, see in the name of Jesus. And people were healed. And that's why the gospel spread so rapidly was because you can't tell someone who is blind that God isn't real. You following me here? So while we're at this festival... While we're out there, after people gave their hearts to the Lord, we began to pray for the sick. And I can tell you with my own eyes and with my own mouth that I saw things that would just blow me away. I don't know how else to explain it to you. There was a woman who had a breast tumor, and, and she could feel it in her chest. Like she could put her hand around the breast tumor, okay? And we prayed for her. And while they're praying, and we're not even talking like, God, would you please heal? It was like in the name of Jesus, we, de- we demand, we declare that this tumor will be gone under the authority of heaven, right? It's that kind of a prayer. And I'm telling you, it disappeared completely, gone, like not there anymore. She comes up on stage and she's telling the story and she's, you could see the excitement on her face. There was another guy who was, who, who was almost blind. He could hardly see. He's like bumping into chairs as he's walking around. And we prayed for him, and he comes up on stage afterwards, and you'll see it in a video that I made a few minutes ago that, or that we'll show in a few minutes, that, that, that he, he's now able to see how many fingers he has on, his, on, on Samuel's you know, hand while he's showing it. And you'll see it in the video that he was healed of blindness. There were people who, who, were, who could barely walk and they're jumping on stage and they're being able to move flexibly. Like, this is the kind of thing that happens when the name of Jesus is proclaimed to people who've never heard it before. And I'm telling you, it did something to me. And so when I come home and I read Romans chapters 9 through 11 and I see Romans 10, 14, it says, and how will they call on him to save them unless they believe? And how can they believe if they never heard? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And I think about that. We went and we were obedient to the message of Jesus, to the gospel, right? The first thing that Jesus said to his people right before they left, right before he ascended to heaven was go into all the world and make disciples, right? And the first thing that Jesus says once he comes back and proves himself to them, he says, as the father has sent me, I'm sending you. And as soon as we become obedient into that, when we went to, the, to South Asia and we began to just do the thing that God says to do, he shows up and does all the work and incredible things happen. And now there's another thousand, another 1,500 people in a country that is dominated by false religions who are now having life and they're spreading that message to their friends and to their neighbors and to their villages and towns. It's incredible. We have a responsibility to do what God has asked us to do. I want to just show you real quickly the, the recap video that I made um, for you to see, just kind, of, just kind of see with your own eyes. It's hard. It's, there's no way to be able to really uh, share the experience with you, but I hope that maybe this video will, will help you understand a little bit about it, and then we'll wrap up our message in just a, just a minute.
Yeah, let's watch it again. No, I'm just kidding. Ah, so, all right, here's the deal. We don't have a lot of time left. I am convinced, and I think that uh, if I could just be completely honest with you, I'm a little bit off script here. I am convinced that nothing matters more than to giving the gospel to people who need it. Um, we've been here for three years in this community, and we've done great work, and God has brought every one of you to our church and I'm thankful for every single one of you who have either found Jesus here, who have grown closer to Jesus here. But our work is not done. And when I think about Romans chapters 9 through 11, and I see how God opened the door for the rest of humanity to come into to the family, to become children of God, I then see the obligation that we have that there are so many people out there who are not a part of the family. And when I go to another nation... And believe me, I knew this was waiting for me. I was just in anticipation for almost an entire year that I was going to go on this trip, and I knew that God had something waiting for me. But when you see that God does what he says he will do in Scripture by being obedient and preaching the name of Jesus, something happens inside of you, and this is what I wrote down. Here's what I learned on this trip. Actively participating in the commanded mission from God brings fulfillment, it brings purpose, and it brings energy. Guys, I have seen God do incredible things. And I'm not just talking about the miracles. I'm talking about people who are of a religion that you would think would never want to know the name of Jesus. Show up in droves and you literally just preach the message of the gospel. The good news of Jesus, that we have no hope without Jesus. That Jesus died on a cross, took our sin, gives us forgiveness, gives us mercy, and changes our lives as we walk with him. That message is attractive. And when you preach it and you give people an opportunity, they respond it. And it's incredible. And I felt like God said to me, Jared, you've been spending three years in Lawrenceville doing good work, but I, there is more. And we have our events, we have our big hunt, and we have our back-to-school bash, and we do incredible work and we serve people. But guess what? They don't come to our church. A thousand people that we see twice a year, and they don't come to our church. And I'm not saying that we're going to change anything. What I am saying is that I am convinced now more than ever that we have got to tell people about Jesus. If we don't actually tell them about Jesus, what are we doing? We're just like a club, right? We just come together every week on our own and we celebrate how God has done stuff with us, but we don't include anyone else. And this is not a condemnation to anybody. I'm not speaking about any person. This is a conviction in my heart that I just, I'm not going to live anymore like a Christian who walks around with this great news and not share with anybody. Like, how selfish of me is that? That God has saved me. He's lifted me. How many of you remember what God has lifted you out of, what he has saved you from? And we, we have opportunities in front of people to share with them. We're, we're timid with our friends. We're timid at work. Wherever we go, shame on me for that. And I just, I saw God use me personally in a way that I've craved for years. And I don't want you to feel like, oh gosh, I better, like, got to worry now what church, no, 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 we, this is Encounter Church, and this is who we are, and what you see is what you get. But I am an honest person, and I got to tell you that God has done something in my heart, and we're just, as a church, we're going to begin to find ways to share the gospel with people. That's what I'm just trying to say to you. And I'm inviting you into this journey with us. We have people in our leadership team who I know are down with this and are on board with this, and we want all of you to come along. And I, believe me, this is, there's some scariness to it. I don't know what that means. Does that mean I'm going to be out on a street corner, you know, like preaching? Maybe. Or maybe it just means we're going to hand out coffee to people. And when they ask why we're handing them coffee, I just want to tell you about Jesus. 
There are so many ways to do it. But if we don't pick any way, are we really being true to what God is saying to us? The last thing I wanted to say before I get to the challenge is this. I thought of an illustration. This is not mine. I'm totally stealing it. But the Bible calls us salt, right? It says that Christians are to be salt and to be light, right? So salt is used for saltiness. It's used to give flavor. It's used to preserve things. But what happens is, is that if you have too much salt, things actually go bad. And the Dead Sea in the Middle East is a perfect example of this. The Dead Sea is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a closed off um, body of water that is full of nutrients and salt from the river that flows into it. But because there is no outlet, everything inside of the, the sea is dead. There is nothing inside of it that is alive. It's, 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 uh, you can actually walk in the Dead Sea. I think yeah, we have pictures here. Like that is salt buildup. Then what I, what I heard in this illustration that I thought was so applicable is this is what happens to the church when there is no outlet for God to preach the gospel to, this, to the streets. It becomes so salty. And it's good that we have salt because we encourage each other and we, we build each other up. But you know what else happens? When you don't fulfill the other half of the mission, we were called to go, go, preach the gospel and make disciples. We've done a great job of making disciples in this church. Lots of people are growing. But you know what happens when you don't have an outlet for God, for the spirit of God to move in people's lives, when you don't give it away? Salt builds up and you begin to burn out because you're the only one doing your job at church. You start getting angry and upset with other people because you're, all you're seeing are the same people over and over again. You get salty, as people would say. You start backbiting on people. And I'm, again, not talking about any person. What I'm saying is this is what happens to the church when we don't do the mission God has for us. We all love to come to church and we sing songs and we worship him and we love going to worship nights and we go to our life groups and all of those things are awesome because we are called to teach them to obey everything that I've taught them. That's the other half. But we've got to go into the world. And that means India, that means Japan, that means Greece, but it also means Lawrenceville. It means Avalon. It means Ben Avon. It means Bloomfield and Shadyside and Millvale and Glenshaw and Allison Park and the South Hills. Like that's the mission field too. And we are called to give an outlet to the Holy Spirit so that when we go out into the streets, whether it be as an organized team from our church or whether you're going to work on the bus or you're, you're talking with your kids or you're having a conversation with someone, every opportunity, somebody who is lost, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do something. And that doesn't mean that every single time you're going to be a Bible spouting machine. But what I am saying is that we have got to come to a place where you say, if I'm not preaching the gospel on a regular basis, if people are not coming to know Jesus because of my active engagement, then I'm doing something wrong. And I'm holding myself to that same standard. Like we've got to become a church I look in, and I look in the book of Acts and I see it over and over and over again. When people were out there teaching people about Jesus, it says, and hundreds were added and thousands were added and so many people, the church grew and it grew and it grew. And I saw it in South Asia. And I think to myself, why is our church so small? And it's not a, an indictment of anything that, because I love our, the intimacy of our church, but I think, when was the last time someone gave their heart to Jesus who'd never heard about him before? When was the last time somebody who was broken was healed of addictions in our church? When was the last time we went out to the streets and we just prayed with people? Because I'm telling you something. I have a conviction deep in my heart that God spoke to me on this trip 
that if we begin to become a people who will go outside of our building and go to the streets and find ways, whether they're, like I said, some of them are going to be organized, others are just us doing it on our own. If we become a people who do that, who share the gospel, people will want Jesus, and then they'll come to church, and then you're going to see new people. And the more we do that over and over and over again, we're not going to be able to hold everybody in this room. We're going to have to have another place to go. We're going to have to have a bigger building, more services, more things are happening. This is what happens when the gospel is preached. But if we don't preach it, that's what happens. Not this nice lady here. The Dead Sea is what happens. It becomes a buildup that is an unhealthy place. So my challenge to you is this, is live the adventure. Live the adventure. I realized this got like real hot real quick, and that's okay because sometimes, guys, you just... You just got to hear what God has said. I would, wouldn't you rather me preach to you from my heart what God has spoken to me than just some kind of scripted thing, you know? Challenges, live the adventure. Hear what God is saying today and believe that Jesus is who he says he is. You need to go and tell the world. Go and tell at get-go. Go and tell in India. Go and tell at work. Go and tell at home and send. We will be ascending church encourage you to go on a mission trip. It will change your life. Just yesterday, I was talking to a friend and he said, and I hope it's okay for me to say, he said, you know, I, I, in my brain, I think I could just send that money to a place and they'd probably be better, be better using it than I would be. And I would say that'd probably be true if you were going to like build a house for someone or going to, you know, like build an orphanage or something. Yeah. I mean, there's people who are way better at that than me, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is going to actually preach the gospel dramas and dances and singing songs and telling people about Jesus. I preached at a small little Indian church that changes them and God does something inside of me and I bring it home and he's going to change our city because of it. And when you go on these trips, I promise you, it will not be worth, it will not be money that has been wasted. God will use it as an investment in their lives, but he'll do something incredible in you. Listen to what God might say to you. We will be ascending church. Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have sent your son first. Thank you that you've given us hope. You've given us life. My heart is broken for so many people who are living in just fear and living in darkness and they're in bondage. Some of them don't even know it. They're damaging themselves. They're they're addicted to things. They're focusing and running around like chickens with their heads cut off all over the world in different societies and different cultures because they are disconnected from the one thing that that grounds us and that is you. Would you burden all of our hearts? Would you give us an experience with you, God, here every Sunday at every life group and at home when we read your word and we pray and when we worship? Would you call us individually to the adventure that you have for each one of us? And may we open our hearts and commit to you, that we will join you in the adventure. We will live that adventure. We will hear what you say. We will believe that your word is true. We will go to our neighborhoods. We will go to our cities, to our states, to our nations, to the world, and we will tell the gospel. We will not stop short of of telling people about Jesus. When I'm at the coffee shop or when I'm with my friends or when I'm at work and they tell me that there's something going on and I'm talking to them about it, I will take the opportunity to share Jesus with them because that's the only thing that matters. It is the only thing that will fix their problems. 
And God, I pray that you will bless us as our church sends teams, as we send people into our streets locally, as we send people into the workplace, as we send people across the the world. God, I pray that you would raise up pastors in this church. I pray that you would raise up missionaries in this church. I pray that you will raise up kingdom-minded business people in this church so that they would use every resource that they have to further the gospel of Jesus. And I pray that as as we walk in your in obedience to what you've called us to, I pray that you would show every single person who walks in that, that you would show them incredible blessing and incredible favor as they walk in obedience to your mission. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts. Thank you for opening the gospel to Gentiles like us. You are good. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, we'll kind of move through chapters 12 and 13. It's called the smaller details, and we're going to be giving it all to God because he gave it all to us. I love you guys. I'm so glad I'm back. If anybody wants to hear more about my trip specifically, I'd be happy to talk. We're all going to lunch, by the way, so anybody wants to go with us. And then next week is our newcomer lunch. Please come to that too. See y'all next week. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.